This is an AMI podcast. Hey everyone, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is the final express for Friday the 26th of January 2024. And today we wrap up the week. You're listening to Double Tap Express. Your weekly roundup of what's happening on Double Tap this week. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Do you know who I feel sorry for most, Sean Priest? I feel sorry for Dane. Oh, of course, Dane, who loves the Parp Parp. And who doesn't? He does. I love it. Every single week around this time on my watch, my Apple Watch, I get a little buzz. And it's Dane on Mastodon saying, Parp Parp. Dane, never stop parping. You carry Never on, stop sir. Parping. That's it. He is going to be called the last parper. That is what I'm going to call him. That is the official name of Dane. Uh, hey, listen, we've got a lot to get through in the Express this week. A lot of news to cover. And we're going to start, of course, with the big news around the GA Conf Awards. Grace Scofield has your Double Tap News. Double Tap News with Grace Scofield. The GA Conf Awards 2023 celebrated outstanding achievements in video game accessibility, recognizing the efforts of developers and studios in making gaming inclusive for all players. Forza Motorsport emerged as a significant winner, clinching the AAA Excellence Award for its exceptional accessibility in a high-budget game. This achievement was further underscored as it also won the Best Blind slash Low Vision Accessibility and the Greatest Accessibility Innovation Awards. The game was notably praised for making gameplay accessible to totally blind players, including providing audio descriptions for gameplay events. Blind gamer and content creator Ross Miner told Double Tap how the game's accessibility features impacted him. I bought the game... um like the premium edition. So I got like five days early access before it came out. Um, and then I streamed it on Twitch and it's, the thing is, is that like, it's difficult at first. Um, you or others may know that like with accessible products, with assistive technology, there's often a learning curve and that's really no different with video games, especially like the more complex the mechanics are. And so the first time streaming on Twitch, uh, I always like to say that I was literally driving like a blind person. Um, but then like a week or so later, you know, I'm, I'm getting noticeably considerably better. In the indie sphere, Stories of Blossom by Softleaf Studios garnered the Indie Excellence Award, showcasing remarkable accessibility in a game developed with a smaller budget. Softleaf Studios' dedication was further recognized as they also received the most dedicated studio award for their consistent efforts in creating accessible games. Hi-Fi Rush took home the Best Deaf-slash-Hard-of-Hearing Accessibility Award for its innovative rhythm visualization and customizable appearance. Street Fighter VI was lauded for its best physical-slash-mobility accessibility, introducing modern and dynamic control options for players with motor impairments. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order won the Best Cognitive Accessibility Award for its features like conversation history, configurable game speed, and a range of assistive options catering to cognitive accessibility. Meanwhile, Dead Space stood out in two categories. It won the Best Mental Health Accessibility Award for its content warning and hiding system, and the Most Improved Award for its extensive accessibility enhancements through patches and updates. 
Spider-Man 2 was recognized for the Best Representation Award, featuring a playable deaf character with ASL interpreting and simulated hearing loss, a significant step forward in representation of disabled characters in gaming. In the realm of gaming journalism, Grant Stoner's article, Danger Dumplings, won the Best Journalism Award for its insightful perspective on game accessibility. The individual awards highlighted key contributors in the field. Jessica Roche at Ubisoft received the MVP award for Unsung Hero for her role in driving accessibility communications and marketing. The Advocacy Award was bestowed upon Sightless Combat, recognizing their use of voice to advocate for wider industry changes in gaming accessibility. Sightless Combat, also known as Ben Breen, told Double Tap prior to the awards his thoughts at being nominated alongside other advocates Elizabeth Sivertson and Colo Jones. I was indeed very, very proud, and I was honoured to be featured alongside uh, two other amazing advocates, both of whom I actually know, which was slightly surreal. It's just like, I know both of these people. <laughs> Funny thing is, those two people I'd only really heard of uh, potentially in you know the last year or so, maybe slightly longer, but not by necessarily that much, which was interesting. Uh, not that they hadn't, of course, been doing work for longer than that. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, say that at all. But I'd only known their names for a, a relatively short amount of time. Um, so it was honoured to be included alongside two amazing people in that list. The Hardware Accessibility Award was secured by the September PS5 update, which introduced innovative features like the Assist Controller and Menu Haptics. And Ubisoft was acknowledged with the Most Dedicated Publisher Award for their significant and consistent efforts across various productions, such as Assassin's Creed Mirage and the Crew Motorfest. The GA Conf Awards aim to reflect the growing importance and impact of accessibility in gaming, showcasing how the industry is evolving to include players from all walks of life, ensuring everyone can enjoy the immersive world of video games. In other news this week, Unilever has partnered with Be My Eyes to add AI technology to the cooking experience of their products. The partnership builds on the addition of on-pack accessible QR codes to Unilever's products in the UK. Unilever is initially trialing the technology in the UK through their Coleman Singapore Noodles Mealmaker, with plans to expand to more brands in 2024. Scanning the QR code, shoppers can be directed to the Be My Eyes app and connected to a volunteer or a virtual AI chatbot to address a recipe or cooking questions. This is the first time the Be My Eyes AI technology has been integrated with a food product. Unilever's customer support team will also be integrated into the app experience, allowing shoppers to be automatically connected to the Coleman's Careline team for further support if needed. Moving to healthcare, the federal government has announced new measures to enforce accessibility standards for medical equipment. This initiative aims to ensure that all medical devices are accessible to people with disabilities, addressing a long-standing issue in healthcare accessibility. The enforcement of these standards is expected to bring significant improvements in the medical care and independence of those living with disabilities. OCO is a New York-based company, and they're seeking Canadian volunteers to beta test their groundbreaking mobile application. Designed to aid visually impaired pedestrians, OCO uses the iPhone's rear camera to interpret pedestrian signals, 
providing visual, audible, and vibration feedback. This app aims to make pedestrian signals accessible everywhere, and its success in Canada could lead to a wider launch. Interested Canadians are encouraged to join this pioneering beta program, which is already available in the USA. In a move to break barriers in the world of literature, Dolphin, a leading technology firm, has partnered with the Accessible Books Consortium. This collaboration aims to enhance access to books for individuals with print disabilities. Dolphin's commitment to creating inclusive reading experiences aligns with the consortium's mission to promote the availability of accessible books worldwide. If you can't wait to try Google's new Circle the Search feature, your wait is almost over. Google's new feature, which lets you circle anything on your device and instantly search for it, is making its way to the Pixel 8 and Pixel 8 Pro alongside the new Galaxy S24 series next week. That's right, start your countdown calendars because these new phones launch on January 31st. OnePlus just dropped their new flagship, the OnePlus 12 in Canada and the US. It's rocking the latest Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 chip, a fancy Hasselblad camera setup, and a sharp 2K 120Hz display. Plus, it charges super fast with 80-watt wired and 50-watt wireless options. It's the first to get the Snapdragon Spaces Ready Stamp, promising top-notch performance and efficiency. You can grab that starting February 6th for $1,069.99 Canadian or $799.99 US. And finally, January 24th marked the 40th anniversary of the initial launch of Macintosh. The Mac is the first computer to popularize the computer mouse, which at the time was a super controversial addition for a typically text-based interface. The Mac became a favorite in education in the late 70s and later became even more popular in the late 90s when Steve Jobs returned to Apple in 1997. From colorful iMacs to the way to use a graphical user interface, the Mac was a pivotal invention in the personal computer that has shaped the way we use PCs today. And that's your Double Tap News. I'm Grace Scofield. In other news this week, Unilever has partnered with Be My Eyes to add AI technology to the cooking experience of their products. The partnership builds on the addition of on-pack accessible QR codes to Unilever's products in the UK. Unilever is initially trialing the technology in the UK through their Coleman Singapore Noodles Mealmaker, with plans to expand to more brands in 2024. Scanning the QR code, shoppers can be directed to the Be My Eyes app and connected to a volunteer or a virtual AI chatbot to address a recipe or cooking questions. This is the first time the Be My Eyes AI technology has been integrated with a food product. Unilever's customer support team will also be integrated into the app experience, allowing shoppers to be automatically connected to the Coleman's Careline team for further support if needed. Moving to healthcare, the federal government has announced new measures to enforce accessibility standards for medical equipment. This initiative aims to ensure that all medical devices are accessible to people with disabilities, addressing a long-standing issue in healthcare accessibility. The enforcement of these standards is expected to bring significant improvements in the medical care and independence of those living with disabilities. OCO is a New York-based company, and they're seeking Canadian volunteers to beta test their groundbreaking mobile application. 
Designed to aid visually impaired pedestrians, OCO uses the iPhone's rear camera to interpret pedestrian signals, providing visual, audible, and vibration feedback. This app aims to make pedestrian signals accessible everywhere, and its success in Canada could lead to a wider launch. Interested Canadians are encouraged to join this pioneering beta program, which is already available in the USA. In a move to break barriers in the world of literature, Dolphin, a leading technology firm, has partnered with the Accessible Books Consortium. This collaboration aims to enhance access to books for individuals with print disabilities. Dolphin's commitment to creating inclusive reading experiences aligns with the consortium's mission to promote the availability of accessible books worldwide. If you can't wait to try Google's new Circle the Search feature, your wait is almost over. Google's new feature, which lets you circle anything on your device and instantly search for it, is making its way to the Pixel 8 and Pixel 8 Pro alongside the new Galaxy S24 series next week. That's right, start your countdown calendars because these new phones launch on January 31st. OnePlus just dropped their new flagship, the OnePlus 12 in Canada and the US. It's rocking the latest Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 chip, a fancy Hasselblad camera setup, and a sharp 2K 120Hz display. Plus, it charges super fast with 80-watt wired and 50-watt wireless options. It's the first to get the Snapdragon Spaces ready stamp, promising top-notch performance and efficiency. You can grab that starting February 6th for $1,069.99 Canadian or $799.99 US. And finally, January 24th marked the 40th anniversary of the initial launch of Macintosh. The Mac is the first computer to popularize the computer mouse, which at the time was a super controversial addition for a typically text-based interface. The Mac became a favorite in education in the late 70s and later became even more popular in the late 90s when Steve Jobs returned to Apple in 1997. From colorful iMacs to the way to use a graphical user interface, the Mac was a pivotal invention in the personal computer that has shaped the way we use PCs today. And that's your Double Tap News. I'm Grace Scofield. Thank you, Grace. And talking of news today, we have a very special event. It's the 16th anniversary of OutOfSight.net. This is an online space which brings the blind and visually impaired community together. We spoke to Roger Kahuri to tell us more. Tell us first off about your organisation, Out of Sight. This is a wonderful online community that combines three essential elements to provide a wonderful experience for the blind online. It's an audio chat, learning, and gaming website. We use an accessible web conferencing platform known as TeamTalk. Many people would be familiar with Zoom, and this is similar to Zoom, but it's a little bit different. It's fully accessible. And what we do on Out of Sight each and every day is that members from all over the world, mainly from Canada and the U.S., but from all over the world, meet to engage, engage in friendly conversations. There's also games and events. There are workshops. There are presentations. And you know what? You might pick up a friend or two. You might learn something. And overall, I would have to say that when you combine all that together, you're going to be a better, more independent blind person. And I speak of that firsthand myself. 
That's very interesting you say that, Roger, first-hand experience, because Out of Sight has been going a long time. I've been aware of it for years and years, and uh, it amazes me how you keep up the momentum and you just take a look at the schedule you've got going on. There's always something going on there. Um, so how did you get started with this? Were you one of the founders? Were you just someone who came across it? Yes, I was actually um, somebody who came across it. I wasn't there in the beginning back in 2008. So this is the 16th birthday and that's coming up. As a matter of fact, um, I I know a good handful of people who were the founding members that are still involved. And the way that the site continues to innovate and to refresh itself is because of the energy that is found among all the members, the warm and welcoming environment that brings people in and keeps them there. And then they themselves, they see their fellow blind people hosting activities facilitating events, organizing sessions. And they're like, you know what? Why not me? Look at them. They're blind. They're able to overcome any kind of obstacles or challenges or a hitch to their self-esteem or whatnot. And then they get a hand up by seeing other members doing things and they themselves throw their hat in the ring and hey, say, you know what? I want to do, I want to host this type of game or I want to bring in a guest speaker for this event, or I would like to create a different session. And all that combines together in like, I think of it as a wonderful mixed salad of things to do and people to talk to. Well, if there's one way to keep us out of it, uh, mention the word salad, yeah, I'm out. Uh, Roger, because that, that's, uh, <laughs> that's going to keep us well away from it. Uh, but no, listen, uh, this event is one event that's happening, like you say, like a number of events that happen from out of sight. Now, out of sight itself is US-based, but you have events going on and people involved from Canada and around the world. That's absolutely right. It first began in the United States in the early days in 2008, and the membership has grown to all over the world. But largely, American and Canadians make up the website and Regardless of where somebody is, right, with the beauty and magic of the internet, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter locale. As long as you have an internet connection, you're able to participate in any of the events and activity each and every day by virtual of using your internet connection and logging in using Team Talk. And it's a free membership to join the site. And that basically that's your ticket to get in on the events that are happening every day. And also there's an email that gets sent out once a day that notifies you of what the activities are the following day. And for people that might be a little bit on the fence who, you know, oh, man, you got to I got to download another app. I got to learn a new app. I don't know this website. There's so much there. Once you go to the website, www.out-of-site.net, you sign up for a free account. We hook you up with someone from our welcoming committee who will be your buddy along the way. So if you have difficulties with tech, if you have difficulties with knowing what's happening, you're not going to go it alone. The buddy system. That's a fantastic idea. I was going to say, aren't you worried about, you know, being scaring people off almost? Because you mentioned Team Talk is sort of how this is all based. 
which is, as you rightfully said, it's it's just a, a a voice platform like Zoom, like anything else we've used before, Skype or whatever it may be. Um, so is that how the games work in the chat rooms? That's all audio based, right? There's no um, specific website for playing games or anything like that. It's all done through audio chat rooms. That's absolutely correct. We will basically have a facilitator, let's say it's myself, and we have a variety of word games, uh, music games, trivia games. There's a whole lot of chats, presentations, and discussions, but you are absolutely correct. It is facilitated by somebody who will be asking the questions. Some of them bring along their own audio clips. Some of them bring along their own sound effects, but you're not required to download and install anything else. It's not like you're sitting at a terminal or your keyboard and you're playing a game. It's all by done through audio chat. And and Team Talk itself, that's perfectly accessible? Absolutely. I, I'm a screen reader user. It's beautiful. It's excellent. And also for those who are magnification users, it's very, very uh, accessible and usable. Because sometimes people say, well, is it accessible? And you may say, well, yeah. But then when you go into like a super center and you want to try to find some toothpicks like at your local grocery store, yeah, it's accessible because you got the big <laughs> doors that open up, you got big <laughs> wide open aisles, so it's accessible. But how usable, how how long are you going to be looking for those toothpicks? But I do have to say we we have it covered when we're asking people to use the Team Talk because it's both usable and accessible, very intuitive, and it's not hard at all to learn. Like within five minutes, you're up and running. Now, I'm assuming there's a link on the website itself to download or will take you to where to download Team Talk. Is it still a case as it used to be that you had to download a specific version of Team Talk? It used to be Team Talk Classic, I believe, was the accessible one. Has that changed? Yes, it has changed. So it's not going to be asking you to pick the, the correct one. And yes, we do have a link on the page where you can download it. And then the the beauty of signing up for a free account is that we will send people a file that they will also download. It's basically a text file that contains all your login credentials. So you're essentially going to be using that file. You can uh, save that to your desktop. And, and that's what you would click on that launches and hands over your login credentials to the TeamTalk app on a PC. But if you would like to use your mobile device, such as iOS or Android, you would enter the credentials into the app itself. Uh, there's probably like five or six credentials that you put in there and bam, you're good to go to use it on a mobile device. And I commonly use it through my iPhone and it works great. So you've got the upcoming 16th annual birthday celebration happening. And this is, of course, what we're talking about here. All these events that are going to be taking place all happening on Team Talk. So, you know, for anyone who wants to get involved, get in early, get used to the app, get everything set up so you're ready to go. What Give us a flavor of what is to come. Thank you for asking. So coming up on Saturday, January the 27th, things kick off, doors open at 8.30, but everything uh, in terms of our formal programming starts at 9. These are all times Eastern in North America. And the first few hours in, in the day will be a variety of games. We will have the game of Password, the game of Jeopardy and some other fun things that'll happen. And those are basically people might know those types of games from having maybe heard of them or watched them on TV. They're slightly adapted for the audio platform that we're doing. 
but we can explain how to play them and whatnot. And then the the main part of our birthday celebration that we do is we like to gather inspiring and motivating people to talk about current things that people in the blind community would be interested in. So we're going to kick things off at 12 noon from a guest speaker from the Seeing Eye Guide Dog School to talk about all things related to our wonderful four-legged service animals. At one o'clock, we'll be talking to a gentleman who's known as the Blind Woodsman. And he's going to talk about on how a woodworking class changed his life and how it helped him with his mental health and lifted him up and the wonderful crafts that he does. At two o'clock, we have Hans Georgian Weiberg, the creator and founder of Be My Eyes, which is also an, a very awesome app in the blind community that has made a significant splash. Be My Eyes. He's going to talk about the wonderful work they're doing with AI. They're teaming up with Microsoft and customer service and just give you kind of like how this app came about. And then our next guest speaker will will have two folks who will be talking about their careers in descriptive audio, because a lot of us use descriptive audio when we watch movies or plays or TV shows or what have you. So let's get behind the screen and talk to people that are in that career, what's involved and how they do it and how that how they continue to keep things fresh. And then the evening will culminate with an evening talent show where our members will perform songs for those who, who won them in, a, in an auction that we held in the fall. So Out of Sight is funded by a fall auction that takes place in September. And so that's why everything always remains free. And there are many cash door prizes that we offer throughout the year at, at our events. And that's how we do it through the fall auction. So the night will end off with these performances. Well, you lost me at salad. You won me at cash. So that is wonderful. Uh, See, Roger. I was saving the best part for the end. Cash is king, like they say. Absolutely. Absolutely. So remind us again of that website, Roger, so people can go and uh, get set up to take part in this. Right on. So go to wwwout of site.net and site is spelled S-I-G-H-T. So out-of-site.net. And I want to just say for myself that I'm always invigorated and inspired each and every day when I get to talk to friends that I've had since about 2010 is when I joined the website. I never thought of myself as being a host and a facilitator of different events or games. I never even saw myself being on like a birthday committee promoting these kinds of things or being on your your international broadcast uh, on Double Tap to, to promote it. So I am living testament that being around other blind people and seeing what they can do kind of uh, it inspires and pushes you to kind of push that envelope to, to learn new skills, whether it's technology, whether it's your presentation skills or even arts and crafts or what have you to become a lot better uh, in the community and around the people you are at with. Well, Amazing. I think that's fantastic. That really is. And uh, I'm so glad you came on to tell us about it. Thanks for getting in touch, Roger, and best of luck with the event. Thank you so much, gentlemen, and keep up the good work. All the best. Cheers. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. 
Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. And we'll be getting to lots of your feedback on Monday's episode. Now, this week, I caught up with Greg Hayes to learn all about his recent experience using an Uber taxi. Not any regular Uber car, though, a driverless one. Greg, good to have you back on Double Tap with us. Hey, thank you. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, too. And, you know, I love talking about driverless cars, especially when I get to the end of 2023 and all I hear about is, oh, the driverless car phenomenon is finished. No one wants them and cruise was terrible and that all fell to bits. So, you know, clearly the whole thing's a disaster and nothing will ever come of it. Never going to happen. I love the mainstream tech press on this stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> now, yeah, cruise was a bit of a disappointment over in San Francisco, but uh, it is not the end of driverless cars, I can tell you that, because it's going strong uh, with Waymo and Uber in Phoenix. So just for people who don't know about the cruise story, because I thought this was quite interesting, it seems to me anyway, from my limited understanding, and, you know, I could read about it, but who's got the time? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, my understanding was that cruise went a little bit too quickly. And I don't mean in yes. terms of speed in the car, um, but in terms of development. They kind of moved a little bit too quickly. They didn't necessarily listen to all the safety concerns. And so they were having little accidents and bumps along the way. Um, things were happening more regularly with crews than perhaps with other manufacturers. And that was causing, I guess, investors to get a little bit nervous. Yeah. Cruise was uh, taken away. The Department of Motor Vehicles in California basically took away their their testing license uh, because they were not safe enough. They were having some problems with uh, crashes. And in fact, I, there was one story, it's horrible, um, that one woman got hit by a regular car and she was on the ground and the cruise car ran over her. So yeah, they, they've kind of lost their license because they're just not safe enough. And yes, I believe it's because they moved way too fast. Mm. Well, that, that's the danger area, though, isn't it? Because there is a bit of a race for this. Who's going to get there first? Who's going to take the the uh, the majority of the market out there? Who can get to as many cities Agreed. as possible? So there is that, that sort of balancing act between safety record and getting people's confidence up in driverless cars and that being the first past the finish line. It's, it's a tricky, tricky balancing act to keep on. No, I agree. And if they don't, if they don't do it safely, um, nobody's ever going to take it seriously and, and allow it. It does. It does seem interesting to me, though, that they do tend to hold these cars with, and and rightly so, they should absolutely hold them to a high standard. But they don't hold drivers to this high standard. And you know, the know. stats are clear on this: that human drivers behind the wheel cause so many accidents. And way more than a lot of these uh, cars combined have actually been able to to pull off themselves. You know, so the driverless cars are, are having less accidents. Not no accidents, but they're, they're having accidents. And so the idea that we kind of hold them to this, which again, I understand because we're nervous about this new technology and it has to be right. And I get that. But also there's, there's, there's a little bit of a, it's, it's almost too sceptical for me sometimes from the mainstream press, from, from regular drivers who just want to hold on to that wheel for as long as they possibly can. Right. And I can't tell you the stats that include crews because I don't, we don't have crews here in Phoenix, but I can tell you that the Waymo and now Waymo with Uber, which we'll talk about in a minute, but their safety record is great. Um, there was a, 
an independent insurance company did some stats and the uh, claims, if you will, for personal injury, 100% less with Waymo than mm-hmm. with the same, you know, with, with regular cars. And then uh, the in, the damage to property was 73% less. So that's just huge. Um, and if it's done right, as Waymo has done, it's safe. They have not had any accidents here in Phoenix that were them, that were caused by them. They've had other cars hit, uh, you know, other cars cause crashes, but these cars have not caused the crashes. Um, there's yeah. been a couple of incidents where they've been a little too, you know, they, they've pulled over because it didn't know what to do, but I'd rather that. I'd rather it pull over and be safe. Yeah, I wish human drivers did more of that. (laughs) Pull over if you don't know what to do. (laughs) Yeah, it is incredibly serious, though. I think you're absolutely right, Stephen. I mean, human drivers, we seem to, well, you know, we expect this. When you look at the stats about how many deaths are on the road, it's absolutely staggering yearly. And yet, what, what are we aiming for for driverless? Are we aiming for perfection? Zero? Or what? What I is? Think you can. What is acceptable? Right. I think it has to be better than what it is for human drive. But as you, as you just pointed out, that's a low bar. <laughs> that's mm. it's pretty hard. You know, human drivers are pretty horrible. So I think it has to. You know, it has to show that it's much better than that. But I don't think you can. You'll ever get perfection. There's no such thing as perfection. And the reason I get a little bit irritated by this whole discussion is because I am relying, as is Sean, as are you. We're relying on other people all the time to do our driving for us. We don't drive. So at the moment, the only option is for us to put our faith in a human. Now, I have got into taxis on the odd occasion. I'm sure we all have. Where the guy or the girl, usually a guy, especially in a taxi, is is behind the wheel. And it might be someone who's a bit older. And I'm not saying all old drivers can't drive. But... (laughs) <laughs> there are some that, you know, you can instantly tell with the way the car is being driven that this person's either a little bit nervous or a little bit unsure. And, you know, I, I've been in a situation where I remember we were on a, a highway driving along. The next minute, uh, this driver is, is asking me where we should go. And I'm saying, I, I have no idea. I said, I, I, don't, I don't know where we are at this point. I had no clue. He didn't know where we were heading. He was veering off on different onto different lanes. I could hear cars around, you know, hammering on the horn. Um, I could hear trucks, you know, as if, you know, slowing down. And you know when a, when a truck slows down, you know you've got trouble because trucks don't slow down and they, they, they know what they're doing. So, yeah, you know, right. if, if a truck is blasting its horn at you, you're doing something wrong. Please listen. <laughs> yep, yep. And I honestly thought that this was just the day I was going to die. And it's a horrible feeling because you you have no control over it whatsoever. No control. Now, do I want to necessarily put my trust into a computer to do that? Well, look, I don't know. But I do know that one thing is you take away that tiredness, you take away the ego, you take away the attitude that comes with drivers. I've been in cars with guys, especially younger guys, who, you know, it's a competition to see who can beat the lights and, you know, drive out the backside of someone because, you know, that person's pulled out on them or whatever. And you just like, Calm down, you know, you're not going to get that with driverless cars. I'll tell you, when we talked last time, um, one of the big things that I enjoy about this is that I don't have to interact with another driver um, or with the driver. You know, I get to go into this car and it's just me. In my case, me and my guide dog. But 
I don't have to talk to the driver. I don't have to worry if he had a bad night last night, if he's tired or, you know, recovering from a drinking bender. Yep, whatever. exactly. I, it's it's going to be the same, and I just feel safe in the car. It's difficult in that situation as well, because if you sort of challenge the driver, they're almost dismissive of you. Well, what would you know mm-hmm. about driving, you know? Mm-hmm. I've had Especially blind people. Oh, exactly yes. right. That's the, that's the point. <laughs> and the, the, the I use a, a, a taxi company regularly, and there's a couple, uh, one who picked me up just a couple of days ago, uh, was on the phone the entire journey. Now, hands-free, don't get me wrong, yeah. hands-free. But still, it was you know talking and laughing away the entire journey. And you think, are you actually really concentrating on the road? Or another one who plays his music so incredibly loud, you can't hear anything else. You think, right, right. you just feel slight. it makes you anxious. Uh, yeah, it's one of those rare occasions where you think, actually taking the human factor out of this is actually probably beneficial. I find it so. It's a, it's a relaxing experience for me. So the last time we spoke, we were talking to you about your experience of Waymo driverless cars. And that was a really interesting conversation. And you can go back and listen to that chat that we had with Greg on our website, doubletaponair.com. You can search for Waymo uh, or Greg, and uh, you can uh, check out that conversation because it was really, really interesting. And we got a chance to hear your experience. Well, you've been out again. And this time around, you've been trying Uber. And this was kind of, I guess, by request, right? Because you had mentioned or we had mentioned or someone had mentioned that you know uber had come to phoenix and immediately shot and i said ah greg will have a, had a shot in one of those <laughs> so um you did and you sent in your results so let's listen in to your experience inside a uh, uber uh, car as opposed to the waymo car uh, to see what the differences were i'm in the car it was a little different than doing it with waymo getting to the car was a little more difficult. I ended up having to talk to support and get them to beep the horn for me and do things like that. But other than that, Uber is uh, using the Waymo service and kind of subcontracting to them. Once I'm in the car, it's exactly the same. I'm in the back seat with my guide dog, there's nobody up front, and things are driving along. It's not talking as much because I don't think it has the same preferences that I was able to turn on when I used Waymo to have it tell me what's going on. When I used Waymo, it would tell me that I'm approaching 15th Avenue or whatever it might be, and that I'm going to turn right or left. This one is more silent. And when I just looked around on the app, the Uber app, uh, I don't have all the same options. It did talk to me when I first got in, told me to buckle up. Only to start the ride, which you do in the app. I was able to do all that. And then it gave me a little intro and told me what was going on. But other than that, it's never not talking to me for the whole ride. So I have a feeling the next time I'm going to hear it is when I arrive at my destination. Which, by the way, is a restaurant called the Spaghetti Factory. So you might hear that. Almost there. Don't forget your belongings. Okay. That's normal. For your safety, the doors will remain locked when we arrive. Pull the handle twice to exit. The first pull unlocks. The second opens the door. Okay, we are quite there. It's just telling me what to do once I do get there, which is cool. I'm still, it's still driving. But I hear the directional, the blinker, whatever you want to call it, going. So I have a feeling we're about to pull into the place. 
You're here. Please make sure it's clear before exiting. Okay. So, gather my guide dogs, leech, and pull on it twice to get out. Okay, so it's asked me to close the door, and I've exited, and I'm getting out of its way. And I think the car will just take off now. So, my next step is to find the front door for this place, so I guess I'll be going into my, uh, my magnifier app and using the LiDAR. Talk to you later. Absolutely fascinating to hear your reaction to that. And, and you know, it's almost, you've been obviously trying these a couple of times. You're getting used to the idea, which is interesting, right? That you're starting to get used to the way it works. You're used to what you're uh, waiting to hear. You're knowing what you're not hearing inside the Uber car. So, you know, clearly a few differences between the Waymo and the Uber here. But the result, the same, right? You're being dropped off at the right place. That's absolutely right. And it's funny, I'm, I'm listening to myself in that. Just remember the first time I did it. I think I sound a little more excited. And it is. Yeah. It's still exciting. <laughs> but now I've done it a few times. It's old hat. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever yeah <laughs> yeah 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 exactly no but it's it is quite as i said the the, the experience in a lot of ways was exactly the same because it is waymo is being subcontracted to uber in this case so it's the same kind of car once you're in the car mostly it's the same but as i mentioned the experience for a blind person uh i i found it easier to use Waymo directly because the app, um, the, the Uber app is absolutely accessible, but the Waymo app allowed me to do a few things that I couldn't do with the Uber app. For instance, when I got picked up, I got picked up from my office and the office doesn't have a good place for the uh, car to pull in to the front door. So it, parks across the street and up the street a little bit. So as a blind person, you don't know where that is. With Waymo, I can go and um, go into the app and I can basically do a fine lie, just like on your app phone. I can, I can do a fine lie and get walking directions to the car. And that's super helpful. And when I get there, I can get it to beep. It's just complete independence. In this case, I had to call Uber said, where's my car? It's there. You know, they told me the the, the uh, address that it was at. And uh, I said, well, that doesn't really help me because uh, I'm at that address and I can't find the car. Where is it? So then they put me through to Waymo's support team. And that support team was great once I got through to them. But that took a few minutes because I had to transfer. And with Waymo, they gave me you know, directions because the, the person at Waymo could look out the cameras of the car and say, ah. you know, oh, I see you. <laughs> walk. You know, I'm over uh, here. Walk yeah. A hundred, yeah, yeah. <laughs> beep, beep. Walk a hundred yards, you know, uh, to your south or, or whatever. And uh, I did that. And then when I got close, he started beeping the horns for me. Again, which is great, but I didn't have to do that. I didn't need that when I was using Waymo. I did need that when I used Uber because that wasn't. But that's so important, right? The technology itself is the same. The Waymo Uber is just using that technology. But the experience so different because of 
Well, I would say two things. I was just going to say the app, right? Yes, the Uber app is accessible, but it doesn't have those extra features there. Um, but I would also say the the training of the Uber support. Saying, I don't yes, know what to exactly. do, I'm sorry, isn't enough. Uh, that, that isn't good enough. Um, so it's a really interesting experience. Uh, two things there. Finding the, the car in the first place is a major thing. I, I think the ability for you to do that from the app is incredibly important. And secondly, the amount of uh, the verbosity, if you like, on the ride. Because That's right. I would be anxious if I hadn't heard anything in a while. Where am I going? Um, I, I, I like to have more information than less information, or at least have the choice. I almost felt like bringing up one of my other map apps, you know, so it would tell me where I am. <laughs> That's why I do in a right? taxi all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Right, right, exactly. But, you know, I didn't want to do that. And it was pleasant in the Waymo car. I mean, the, when it was using the Waymo app. Because again, I can go in and there's a preference you can turn on or off, uh, whether you want for paucity or not. And I really enjoyed having it tell me where I was and what was going on. And if I wanted to, I could have turned that off if, if it's too much, but it wasn't, it was enjoyable. To in me. the Waymo demo, that's not there. in the Waymo yes. demo, I was really impressed when the car stopped at an intersection, the indicator was on and it was staying there for a while. And then all of a sudden the voice tells you, you know, we're waiting because there's lots of traffic or whatever it was. It was telling you why the car was was sitting rather than moving. And, you know, I, I just think that level of verbosity and intelligence within the car is what is going to make this such an exciting experience for us because we'll feel comfortable with it. And, I, you know, I, I feel it sounds to me like from your experiences of Waymo and Uber so far, that Waymo is the apple at the moment of driverless cars. Yes. You know, and you know what's going to happen, of course, because as soon as blind people start using this, you know, in in their area, if Waymo comes to their town, if they know that app is accessible, we're just going to go to it. We're just going to use that because we just know it's going to be the one that works. And then Uber won't be used by us. Although I do wonder if the cameras on board will pick up on the fact that there's a guide dog getting in the car and it'll just drive off uh, before we get a chance to get in. <laughs> Shouting about some medical condition it doesn't have. I'm allergic. Yeah. <laughs> this leather can't, can't take dog hair. That's fun. You, you say Waymo is the Apple, and I agree. It's the software experience, basically, is better. The hardware experience is exactly the mm. same, but the software experience was better. Um, and I, you know, next time I take a ride, I'm going to choose the Waymo app. Um, the only advantage, the only advantage Uber has over Waymo for me um, is that I could, you know, if a Waymo car wasn't available, I could then just get in a, drive, a driven car, you know, a person driven car. Yeah. Um, I had a, there was a preference with, with Uber, the Uber app saying, you know, where I could say, wherever possible, give me a driverless car. And that, which of course I chose. But, you know, if there was no Waymo car nearby, I could, I could have gotten a, a regular Uber person. So how often have you used the driverless cars now? It's been a while since you did that initial Waymo test, right? A handful of times, uh, three or four times, I think. Uh, I don't, unfortunately, it doesn't come to my house yet. And I work from home for the most part. So the only time I use this is when I have to go into the office and want to go to lunch like I did this time. Um, or 
Or when Stephen says, hey, will you go check out Uber for us? <laughs> I could fly all the way to Phoenix, and I would love to. But, you know, as the song says, by the time I get to Phoenix, uh, Mr. F is nervous because the budget's gone up a bit. There you go. That's fair. I want to go fair. for a spaghetti. No, <laughs> spaghetti? That's where we went. Yeah. The spaghetti factory, was it? The spaghetti factory was uh, the... Yeah, do you, you know that Italy's yeah, a bit nearer. <laughs> Well, when they have a driverless car, we can yeah, all meet in Italy. <laughs> so you, you trust-wise, then, do you feel perfectly confident, perfectly secure in a driverless car? Yes. Oh, wow. Not, not even waiting. Yes. Absolutely. Not, there's no, I feel safe. I feel comfortable. Um, as I say, I, I, it's just me. I get to just do whatever I want. If I want to listen to music, I can listen to my music. I don't have to listen to theirs. I don't have to talk to them. But... Just like Stephen was saying, um, when it when when it pulls up and it's not taking off, you know, I know that it's being careful. Um, when it when it was coming to that intersection, it wasn't taking off right away. I know it's because it's being careful, and I appreciate that. I trust the computer more than I trust the average human uh, at driving. That's so interesting. I wondered how many sighted people would feel the same way. No, I don't think there's a lot of them. And when I say this to my sighted friends, when I tell them about it, some of them are very intrigued and, and went and tried it. And, but I, I got a lot of reactions. I would never do that um, from the sighted folks because mm. they, they want to drive. They, they want to. They think that they have more ability than the computer does. I look at the stats and say, "You're wrong." Yeah, there's no evidence to that and, at all. There really isn't, and, and, right. and that's becoming clearer. And unfortunately, that's the fight we have. It's not with the technology. I have hope here. And the hope comes from the Gen Z mob. Because, you know, these are the, the kids of today. Uh, they don't want to do anything. And least of all drive, least of all, you know, they want to sit on their phones all the time. They just want to, that's all they want to do. They want to sit on their phones and they want to you know, ticky-talk themselves you say that like it's a bad thing. I'm just I'm not complaining. I'm just well, I, I am complaining about it, but not in this instance. Because generally I think, you know, what a bunch of lazy but actually, in this occasion, I think this is quite good. This is good for us. Because they yes. will be the ones who will just because honestly, if you dropped a, a, a hundred thousand of these cars into the UK or into the States or into Canada tomorrow, the Gen Zers would just they just use them. I think they use Uber more. Absolutely. This is three out three out. Three old guys talking, but I just remember when when I was a kid. My yeah, sorry. When, <laughs> I, when I was a kid, my friends were all trying to get their driver's license. Um, the kids, you know, I have a couple uh, young twenties kids now. They weren't as keen to go and get their driver's permit, driver's license, no, uh, as they were in my day. They and they use Uber. Uh, why is Phoenix the the world center of this at the moment? What is going on there? I think. I think it was a great test bed because we don't have weather, right? It gets hot here, but other than that, there's not a whole lot of big rainstorms. There's certainly no snow, right? Um, so I think they wanted to use us as a test bed because they could do it uh, year round without a lot of worry. Now, they need to move into cities that have real weather. Um, but I think, and, you know, California is the second. Waymo's now in San Francisco and they just open up in LA. These are all places that don't have a whole lot of 
uh, weather. The only thing, only difference in San Francisco is they have more hills. We're very flat. So that's the only difference. But I'd like to see this, you know, take off in Philadelphia or New York or London or yeah, well, Manchester. Th- that's good. Hey, well, it's going to be the test, though, right? Because when you introduce snow or rain, then the the environment changes from a recognizable yes. point of view. If you can't read the road markings on the road, the white lines, the whatever else it may be because of snow or ice or whatever, then it makes it a thousand times more difficult. So that is the real test. I think you're absolutely right there. At the, at, in Phoenix or wherever, where it's, you know, you can pretty much guarantee clear, sunny weather, then the environment isn't going to change that much. So I think that's it. And then the second reason is uh, that the legislature here the in Arizona was open to it. They were you know, more willing to let somebody come and try this. It's interesting because here where, where I live, the city of Glasgow is about to get its first next year. In 2025, it is going to have the first driverless subway system in the UK. Uh, the, there are driverless train networks in other parts of the, the country, but I don't think there's any subways that are running like this. And and Glasgow Underground is, is a very small underground s- service. I think it's got like 20 stations or something. It's not a big, uh, thriving network, but it's a very well-used network, you know, moving people around the, the city. And um, it'll be really interesting to see how people react to that. And, and how... And because there's obviously other concerns when it comes to public transport. If there's no staff and it's a Friday night at nine or 10 at night, you know, how safe is that going to be? You know, there's that aspect of it as well. I don't know if we think about that in terms of taxis. I often think, I remember when we first brought this subject up way back when, I remember one of our listeners, I think it was Bilal, if I remember rightly, got in touch with us. Do you remember this one, Sean? And left us a message saying, yeah, but what happens if somebody stands in front of the car and someone else stands behind the car? That's right. I do remember. remember that. Yeah, yeah. And it's absolutely. such a and that That's, question to me still is a, an issue today, right? How can this car identify danger? Is that part of the, the the ethics that's built into the car? Can it identify danger, and what can it do about it? What would a human do in that situation? Right, probably drive through them. I would imagine. <laughs> probably right. No, but the point. I think the point being though that as a blind person in that car, how would he yes. know there is a danger? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I suppose the the answer to that will probably come from, like you say, somebody being able to see out the the you know, using the cameras of the car from a central location, being able to monitor what's going on with them. One of the things it does when you get in the car, and it, it, the voice will tell you, you know, if you want to stop, you know, press the button on your app, and it it'll just pull over. If you if you feel unsafe. It'll pull over because you overrode it. Is that a, is that a get me the hell out of here button? Yeah, in essence. (laughs) (laughs) But it won't go any further. It'll just pull over. No, I I want the opposite. I want a car to press a button and this thing shoots off 100 miles an hour in whatever direction (laughs) it has to. Sorry. The the rock behind the wheel, you know? Well, what you just need, you need that verbosity back, don't you? The person detected at the front, right. so we cannot proceed, and someone at the back cannot proceed. I mean, the the difference yes. between is that actual a danger, or is that just some drunk who mm. can't move, or doesn't, or is playing around? Um, in that case, you just call support or call, you know, whoever emergency. Right. That was the other thing. You know, besides pressing the button to have it pull over, which in that in your situation, I'm not sure it could because it's pinned. But I could then. If it didn't do anything, I could then press the button and talk to support, and they'd be looking through the cameras and telling me what's going on. 
Uh, and then in this so, dystopian future, a robotic police person would come along and oh, tell them to move along. You have 20 seconds to comply. Ah, oh, it's all coming true. <laughs> I can hear the pyong pyong sound effects as as we go. This, this is turning into a sci-fi movie. I don't even like sci-fi movies. But I'm about to live in one. Maybe I should watch Star Wars, then I've got a sense to know what's coming along. I'm so sad listening to you sometimes. <laughs> well, Greg, you are now our official driverless cars correspondent so yes. thank you so much you're very welcome and uh yeah it was a lot of fun and that's it sean for the very last express it's sad it's sad but a beautiful moment what a way to go out excellent there and of course not the last we're going to be hearing from grace you're absolutely right grace will continue with the double tap news every single week on the friday and maybe even a little bit of, you know on top maybe. of that as well Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Anyway, that's it for this week. Have a great weekend. Parp, parp. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.